Welcome everyone to another episode of Deep Point, an extra podcast from Emerging Cricket where we go into more detail on a story that we didn't have time to cover on the main show. I'm your host Nick Skinner and this week we're looking to the finals weekend in the Netherlands and we're joined by EC's Dutch correspondent and co-creator of the TK Cricket website, Rod Lyle. Hi Nick and hello listener. Now Rod, this weekend we've got a lot of cricket coming up in the Netherlands. It's the top classer and the 2020 Dutch competition finals. Uh, just give us a bit of an overview of the, the weekend and the matches and um, you know, who's playing. Well, we know we know what's happening on Saturday because it's the traditional finals day. So there will be two semi-finals. VOC Rotterdam take on Salant, Deventer, from the second division, the Hofklasse. Uh, and then in the second semi-final, HBS from The Hague uh, will play Punjab, Rotterdam, the other Rotterdam club. And then the winners of the two semi-finals will play the final in the last game of the day. Both HBS and VOC, recent winners of the T20 Cup, uh, Salant, newcomers to the finals day, and Punjab have been there once before, but have never won the Cup. And then the Sunday, well, we don't actually know what's happening on the Sunday. The Sunday is now, after the rearrangement of last weekend, should be the semi-finals of the top cluster and assuming that the semi-finals of the top cluster have played on Sunday we know for sure that Punjab will be at home in one of them and VRA Amsterdam we believe will be away in the other one but who their opponents will be remains on Wednesday as we record this unclear. Yes, there's a bit of drama around that, which uh, which we, we'll get to in a minute. Just first, though, looking at this season overall, we know last year was a curtailed season because of the pandemic and, and various COVID protocols. I know this season started with some strict rules around testing and, and bubbles and whatnot. What's the situation with COVID and with the season? Was it a full season this year? Yes, it was. Uh, the KNCB did extremely well to set up both the top classer competition and the women's off classer competition, also the top division of women's cricket, under the emergency COVID regulation to start at the beginning of May. And that meant that for the first month and a bit of the season before the COVID rules were relaxed, uh, everybody who was involved in those games had to be tested uh, on the morning of the game. And there were very strict regimes about who could be there, where they could be, and so on. And all of that actually worked, I think, extremely well. That got relaxed as the COVID situation in the Netherlands, which is still pretty serious, but as, as as the government regulations were eased for sporting clubs. Uh, And so it's been a full season and it's been an extremely interesting season in a good sense before, yes, the unfortunate events of the last couple of weeks. Well, let's dive into that, shall we? Uh, We saw a bit of drama between uh, VOC Rotterdam and HCC as well as Punjab being uh, rolled into the mix there with some um, unfortunate images circulating on on social media and some accusations of sledging and and racism. There's a lot of drama going on. Uh, Can can you uh, just untangle that for us? Well, first of all, I mean, one of the reasons it's been such an interesting season is because of the 10 teams in the in the top cluster, seven were really competitive. And right up to the final weekend, it was unclear who would make the top four, which has been reintroduced this year in the sense that there will this year for the first time for several seasons be playoffs. 
at least that's the plan. So the top two play each other, the third and fourth play each other. The loser of the game between the top two plays the winner of the game between three and four. And then the winner of that goes and plays the winner of the original semi-final between one and two. It's the old Australian top four system that was used in most codes, I think, in, in Australia back in the, in, the, in the 50s and 60s. So seven teams were contesting the top four places. And by the last weekend, there were six who were still in the mix. Punjab were pretty clearly top. That was no longer an issue. But who would finish second, third and fourth depended on several games, one of which was between HCC and VOC Rotterdam, who were at the time third and fourth on the table. And the winner of that game would go into the four. But depending on results elsewhere, it was highly likely that the loser would be knocked out, that they would finish outside the four. So it was a heavily loaded game, and there was a, a claimed catch about five overs into VOC's innings, which wasn't given. But clearly things continued, not just the game, but also uh, a fairly sour atmosphere, I think. I mean, obviously I wasn't there because I'm in Sydney, but looking at the live stream very carefully, it's clear that all was not well in the middle. And after 16 and a half overs... Words were spoken after um, one of the batters had hit a four. Words were spoken. Uh, the umpires got involved. There were clear protests on the field, and eventually HCC walked off and refused to continue, saying that their wicketkeeper, who is Indian, had been the victim of a racist observation. Yes, Yash Patel, the, the alleged victim there, and... Um... Supposedly, there was going to be a replay and there was an appeal to the KNCB committee. Um, it, it all got a bit confusing as to who won that game or whether that game was counted as a, as a full season game. I, I'm still trying to figure it all out. What's going on there, Rod? Well, yeah, the laws are quite clear. If you refuse to play, you lose the game. But the playing game or the, the competition reglement, the competition rules of the KNCB nuance that a bit. And they give the KNCB board the room not to inflict the full punishment, which would involve the deduction of points from the team that refused to play and a fine, but also not to award the game to the other side at all. And so the board met and considered its various options and decided that they would award the points to VOC. They did not impose any further penalties, so they didn't deduct points from HCC. They didn't fine HCC. They did make their opposition to any form of racism clear, and they clarified that the VOC player would be the subject of a disciplinary procedure. HCC appealed against that decision that the points should be awarded to VOC, which would, of course, have seen them outside the four. And that went to the, uh, the appeals committee of the KNCB, who found in favour of HCC and ordered that the match should be replayed, which is clearly one of the possibilities raised by the competition reglement. And that game was then scheduled to be played last Sunday, which was originally the day when the two semi-finals were going to be played. So everything's been moved a week, which is why we're still talking about semi-finals <laughs> on Sunday. So the game was due to be played on Sunday. On Saturday night, VOC informed the KNCB 
and published a statement to this effect that the atmosphere had become so poisonous as a result of what had happened the week before that they thought it in the interest of Dutch cricket not to play the match. They didn't see how the match could be played in these circumstances. And they accepted that the result of their now not turning up would probably be that the points would be awarded to HCC, who would then go into the four. The KNCB board has, as we talk now on Wednesday morning, Australian time, to the best of my knowledge, not yet produced a statement about what the current situation is. The league table on the KNCB website has not yet been updated, and we don't yet have a program of matches for this coming Sunday. So it's all very unclear. In the meantime, as you say, evidence has come to light published by TK Cricket, which suggests that HCC, who have adopted the anti-racist high ground of our player was racially abused and we will not stand for it, there is evidence that they they themselves may not have entirely clean hands on the <laughs> on, on, on the racist remark front. And that's very recent news, and we have yet to see just what the repercussions of that will be. It's possible to take the view that this is a dreadful disaster for Dutch cricket, that it brings the entire game into disrepute. It's certainly true that the Dutch media, who basically only ever talk about cricket when there's bad news. So Australian <laughs> ball tampering makes the newspapers, but actual cricket in the Netherlands almost never does. Certainly not in the in the mainstream national press, regional press, local press a little bit. Um, yes, you can say all of this is a disaster and very bad for the reputation of Dutch cricket, which is an endangered minority sport in the Netherlands. Or you can say, and this is essentially my view, which I will be writing about on Emerging Cricket in due course, this is a festering sore which has plagued Dutch cricket for at least the last quarter of a century and probably longer. And sooner or later, it had to get to this. And what is crucial is how the KNCB and its member clubs now respond to this controversy and take it as a sign that they have to step in and do something. Because the intercommunal, the interracial relationships in Dutch cricket are not healthy and haven't been throughout the 25 years that I've been involved in Dutch cricket. And the other thing to say, incidentally, is that one of the most important big developments in Dutch cricket over the past 30 years, let's say, maybe 35 years, um, is the expansion of the proportion of cricketers in the Netherlands, active cricketers in the Netherlands, certainly in the male game, who are of subcontinental origin, either from Pakistan, India, Sri Lanka, a little bit, Afghanistan now, or from the Indian population in Suriname, former Dutch colony, uh, many of whom came to the Netherlands in the 1970s, 1980s, and who have formed cricket clubs, which like Punjab, like Dosti in Amsterdam, which were founded within and by and for the immigrant communities. And that has, I think, been a challenge for 
Dutch cricket. And the, the problems which we now face in, in that area arise from those big shifts, those big demographic shifts, which everybody's aware of. But it's been too big a challenge actually to deal with the problems which that change has brought. And they're problems, they're problems on both sides. Oh, well, um, as, as you say on that front, Rod, hopefully this situation is, is one that you know, someone can try and get a handle on because it, it sounds like the, the sort of thing that could be you know, toxic to the, the cricket scene uh, overall in, in the Netherlands. Um, just bringing it back uh, slightly to the finals day and, and the matches that we've got coming up, um, just tell us a bit more about the Dutch finals day as an institution within Dutch cricket and, and the place of that. Well, the, the T20 Cup has been running for 15 years or so now. And from the very beginning, in the sort of format of T20 competitions, its high point, its climax, its culmination has been a finals day with two semifinals and a final. The four teams are interesting, I think, because VOC and HBS have both been pretty successful teams through the top classes. They've both depended quite heavily on a smaller number of players. In the case of VOC, they've got the Dutch internationals, Peter Saylor, who's injured at the moment, but Max O'Dowd and Scott Edwards. And HBS have had a very, very good overseas player in Tayo Walbra. Uh, and they've also got Tobias Fizet, who made an 80-not out yesterday for the Dutch A-side against Denmark and who can be an extremely destructive opening batsman. And they've also got uh, Ryan Klein, who plays for Netherlands A's. Uh, so those two sides are, are interesting. Salant from Deventer, um, among the contenders for promotion to an expanded top-classer next year, led by Victor Lubbers, who was included in the Dutch training squad over over last winter. Son of Steven Lubbers, uh, former Dutch national captain, uh, former vice chair of the KNCB, and they are capable of pulling off a surprise, uh, but they'd have to be absolutely at their best to beat VOC, I think. And then the fourth team is Punjab, who have been runaway leaders, I think it's fair to say, of the top classer. They've got a really powerful batting lineup, which includes uh, Steph Meiber, who is a very experienced Dutch international T20 opener and ODI opener, plus four Zulfikars, <laughs> the triplets, Nakid, Sikanda and Asad, uh, and their elder brother, Rechmas, and a guy called Tejan Nidamanuru, who is a powerful batter and also a useful spinner. The attack is not devastating, but it's a, it's a very good, disciplined, accurate, nagging, I've called them parsimonious in the past. Um, they don't give a lot away. And for T20, if you can bowl economically with lots of variations you don't need to take huge numbers of wickets early wickets obviously help but they're a they're a side that are there i think they're a tough outfit to beat in either format they've never won the cup they play hbs that should be a cracker of a semi-final it seems to me and of course they're also in the mix whatever else happens they're in the mix and might well start as favorites for the top classer however the top classer reaches its its conclusion just clarifying, Rod, 
We've got the T20 semi-final and the top class of semi-final and the T20 final. When's the top class of finals being played? It's at least three weeks away. As I say, semi-finals, hopefully this weekend, this Sunday, and then the loser of the first semi-final plays the winner of the second semi-final, and the winner of that plays the winner of the first semi-final the week after that. So it's a three-week playoff program as originally conceived. And I think we have to assume that that or something like it will happen over the next three weeks. Uh, but as I say, we, we at this moment, we don't actually know because of all the quasi-legal toing and froing. Uh, we don't actually know exactly who is going to be playing whom and when. Whereas the T20 Cup, we know exactly what the program is. And hopefully there won't be any, any underwater incidents there. <laughs> uh, yes, and I, I know in... Dutch cricket, the top class of finals day is uh, you know, a, a big festival of cricket with people coming down and, and you know, making a good party atmosphere. Is it the same for the T20 finals day? Does it have the same sort of cachet in the, in the Dutch calendar? Yeah, to a degree. Certainly the, the four clubs who are involved tend to turn up with support and a few neutrals, if you like, will turn up, genuine cricket lovers. I have to say that one of the problems it always seems to me of Dutch cricket is that there are very few people who love cricket for its own sake. There are lots of people who love their own club's cricket, but there are, <laughs> there's a relatively small number of people who turn up to watch other clubs play when their club is not involved. There are some. It's an area which one would love to see addressed, but it's got in part, I think, to do with the absence of Dutch cricket from the media. The fact that the newspapers, as I said earlier, hardly ever give any attention to cricket and then only when there's bad news. There is, and there has been until recently, virtually no cricket on Dutch television. One of the milestones of this year was NOS Sport which is a national television channel uh, showing the Netherlands-Ireland Super League series. Um, we've got all the national team players uh, available for their clubs, uh, well, the, the ones who aren't injured. Who are some of the key duels to, to watch out for in the finals day? Well, I mentioned the, the Zulfikars. Saqib is certainly still in the mix for the national team. Sikanda and Assad somewhat less so, but they've all played for the national side in the past. Steph Mayberg, of course, and on the HBS side, uh, Navjit Singh, who has just made it into the national setup and played a promising innings in the first of the matches against Denmark for Netherlands A on Monday. Wesley Beresi, uh, not an unknown name in international cricket circles, has come out of retirement towards the end of the season and may well be in the mix for HBS. Uh, and you've got Tobias Fizet, and on the bowling side, Ryan Klein. So there is there is a lot of, of national team interest in that game. VOC, obviously, O'Dowd and Edwards, uh, if we assume that Peter Saylor may may not be fit to play. I don't know what, what the situation is there. And Salant, definitely something of an unknown quantity. They have had, certainly in the top classes side, they have had a couple of... German internationals turning out for them in the Hofklasse, a guy called Wardak, for example, who um, have come across uh, because Deventer is up in the northeast of the Netherlands, closer to the German border. 
So they've had they've had a couple of German players turning up for them who may or may not play on Saturday. That's the uh, the main menu, I think. As far as the top cluster is concerned, VRA, who we know are going to be playing somebody at some point, <laughs> they've got Peter Boren as their captain. Uh, mm. They've got Ben Cooper. They may well have the former international batter, Eric Schwachinski. Um, they've got a, a quick called Quirain Henning, who has played a little bit for the Netherlands. But they've also got some very, very useful uh, younger players. Henning's uh, new ball partner is a lad called Asher Abid. They've got Vikram Singh opening the batting, who is still, although he seems to have been around forever, still only 18 and has played for the national side. They've got Shiraz Razul, who's played less regularly for them, but who is another of that promising young crop of players. And they've got Le- Leon Tomei, who is kind of on the edge of the of the A squad, uh, an off-spinner. And uh, Forberg, well, Forberg have got Logan van Beek, they've got Viv Kingma, they've got Bastoleda, they've got Philippe Boissevan. That's not a bad attack. And they've got a South African called Sebrant Engelbrecht, who, who uh, is a very useful middle-order bat. So their form has been patchy. Like HBS and VOC, their, their form, and to some extent HCC, who, who have the, probably along with Forberg, the best attack in the competition. They've got, you know, there's, there's some serious talent there. Uh, and a lot of players who are in or on the edge of the national squad. So once once we get to the playoffs of the uh, of the 50 over competition, uh, we should be in for some great cricket. It's just a pity that it's been overshadowed by stuff that should never be part of the cricket scene. Well, that just about does it for the show today. Uh, we've got a lot of entertaining cricket to look forward to and uh, you know some spicy drama just to to liven things up as well. Rod how does one access you and Bertus's insights over the course of the matches? Uh, I know you, you mentioned TK Cricket. Yeah, there's a website called TK Cricket. And if you, if you find that, there is a live blog on that, which we do as the games are taking place. Now, there's a lot of other stuff there. There's league tables. There are scorecards of, from the last four years. I do a weekly review. We do a preview between the two of us in a kind of dialogue format text. But the live blog on a Sunday is part of the TK Cricket website. So if you go there, you'll find all of that material there. Yeah, a lot of value for fans of Dutch cricket. Thanks a lot for your time, Rod. It's a pleasure, as always. On behalf of the team at Emerging Cricket, thanks for tuning in. And remember that you can, of course, subscribe in the usual audio apps for regular podcasts, keeping you up to date with news from all over the world of Emerging Cricket. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram for loads more great content. Bye for now.